Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. We're going to talk all things prophetic today. We're going to talk about some pro-level prophecy. Yes. I'm excited. excited. I am excited because I love the prophetic. Talk to us about that. Um, Well, I think it would be good to start the conversation as we start to dialogue about the prophetic. Because when we say when we say the word prophetic, it it is going to evoke an image in your mind that is going to be different to your neighbour on your right and different to the neighbour on your left. We've all had different exposure to this word, the prophetic. Some of us are maybe freaked out by the word prophetic. Like, uh uh-oh, those are the weird people. We don't like the prophetic. And then others of us are like, oh, the prophetic. I love the prophetic. So maybe, babe, you could kind of give us a bit of a definition of what the prophetic is. And then maybe take us on a journey of like, can everyone have the prophetic or, or participate in what it is to be prophetic? Yeah, I don't know if I can give us a, a definition as much as a description because I feel like there is so many aspects and avenues in which the prophetic flows. You know, I think we've got the traditional sense of the prophetic, right, where where we would categorize the prophetic in this in this uh, almost fortune-telling category where, where a prophet is going to come along and give us a detailed description of the next decade that we can begin to hold on to. In fact, I don't know about you. I don't know how you grew up, but I, I grew up in the church and we had often the, the prophet that would come. It was somebody who had the prophetic ministry. You know, I'm talking about Vance. Like there would be this prophetic minister that would come through and everyone knew because we'd advertise it so that people could wear their prophecy shirt. This that, was, that was my pre-Jesus days. I wasn't even in the church. In you, no, days. you weren't around then. You, you, I mean, you were around, but you weren't loving Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and however, back what we would do back then is we would wear a prophecy shirt. This was generally uh, like a very loud, fluorescent, if you could, uh, shirt, something that would stick out from the crowd and get the attention of... Something like Jeannie's wearing today. Santa Claus, there. Christmas comes early. <laughs> Jeannie's ready for her word, um, but but it would it, it it was it was to get the attention of uh, the well God I guess but the prophet you know just to uh, to get that word and what's interesting you know living out you know decades on from the, that era there's still people who would hold on to those prophetic words they'd get them printed out put them in a folder some people are nodding like you know exactly what I'm talking about. And they love to whip them out at this time of year, generally Thanksgiving or Christmas when the family's around and just remind everyone of the prophetic word that they got, you know, 32 years ago, back in 1988 or whatever, 32 years ago it was. On their cassette. Exactly. And and it would would be cassette tape. That's right. But now nobody has a cassette tape, so they've transcribed it. So they'll never forget the prophetic word. And we usually had, you know, you're speaking in front of crowds and I see, you know, some kind of thing. However, they're doing none of those things. None of those things. Which, which really talks more to what the prophetic word is and what it isn't. You see, we often would take the prophetic word as the, this is what's going to happen, over the potential of what could happen if you partner with Jesus. The, an illumination and a revelation of what's possible when we partner with God and when we actually start to put our faith into action, it's not a, this is going to happen, so now just sit back, rest, and let God do the work. I know as New Day Saints, we don't like the idea of any work <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about putting your faith to work. 
and, and now that there is a, a revelation of the potential of what a life with Christ can do, I put it to work. And so that's one category of the prophetic. But that's more rare than, than prominent. I think one of the most prominent understandings of the prophetic is actually a very practical everyday application that comes with walking with the Holy Spirit. You know, different from probably the office of the prophet, more in the Holy Spirit bringing insight and foresight into our lives. That is, that is probably the most common way, the most overlooked, but yet the most common way that prophecy works in our life. I love that insight and foresight. You know, um, as we were preparing for today, I, I kind of like plucked one of my favourite scholars, Walter Brueggemann. And his definition of um, what the prophetic is, and I'm just going to put this out there for a second. He says that the task of prophetic ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. Prophetic ministry seeks to penetrate despair so that the new futures can be believed in and embraced by us. And I like that because to me, my experience of the prophetic was different to yours because I came into the church way later than you. The church was in a different era of the you were prophetic. You skin pants. And, and my pastors, yep. my pastors didn't make the prophetic weird. It was like supernaturally natural. Yeah. And so when I came into the church and I experienced a prophetic moment, it was actually the first time I was in church and I remember after the preacher had spoken, she was praying for people on, on the, what we call the altar at the front of the church. And so I went down and as I went down, um, she prayed for me and she looked at me and she said, you sit on your bed at night crying out to God, asking him if he's real and he wants you to know that he's real. Now like that for me was the prophetic, like, inserting itself into my despair and my hopelessness to begin to create a future for me. And that's what the prophetic does is it's like, it, it speaks into the consciousness of our reality. Some people out there are just so hopeless that because without God, we don't have a future. The world is presenting, oh, end time, scary, you know, like there's no future. But with God, there is a future. Come on He's now, not that's done so yet. good. He's still speaking. It's not finished until Jesus comes back. And so she began to speak and locate me. Yeah. So I love that you use the, the whole, you know, insight and foresight because that, for me, that experience yeah. of the prophetic was so real. It's anchored me. Um, and it's anchored me forward into the future, but, but it located me. Exactly. And so I think, could you just unpack a little bit more the foresight and then maybe come back and unpack the insight? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great uh, firsthand experience of the insight dovetailing with foresight, that, that there, was some, there was that incredible insightful moment where this, this lady, this prophet, and I won't say prophetess because prophet is not gender-based, it's prophet, okay. So this prophet uh, located you with some insight that she had no business knowing mm -hmm. but God. Yep. And sometimes God will use insight to awaken us to what he wants to reveal is possible with him. And I love you said it anchored you there. See, this is, this is one of the ways the Holy Spirit wants to work most effectively is, is he, he, he does want to actually work in foresight. 
He wants to illuminate the, the future. We he see wants this. To give you a hope and a future. Give you hope and a future. We see this actually in, in John, in John's gospel. If you want to open real quick to, to John, I want to make sure you get good scripture around this. And there's probably a couple of different passages we'll jump around. Some of the ones we used in the first service. Thank you guys. Uh, so that they can actually put that up there. Uh, we kept them guessing in the first service, but they're ready now. All right. At John chapter 16, it says in Jesus talking to the disciples, preparing them for his ascension. He's, he's about to leave and he's about to, to depart from them and he can sense their anxiety. Like, so would you? Like, no, Jesus, we actually don't want you to go. But Jesus is like, oh, no, no, it's for your benefit that I go because if I go, then I can send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and he'll be poured out without limit, without measure. And, and, and so he, he's giving them this, all this advice. And then he says this in verse 12 of, of chapter 16, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. They were overloaded already. <laughs> when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. It's a really cool description that he was trying to prepare the disciples to understand that there is this insightful element to the Holy Spirit. While the Holy Spirit is going to come, he's going to be known as the advocate advocating for you and for what Christ has done in your life. He also has this, this really cool X factor where he's going to give you special insight. Special insight that is used in the everyday. Not just in a ministry context. This can be used in a business context. This can be used to, to safeguard you, to illuminate something that God wants to remind you of. In fact, if you flip over to, to Luke, go back to, to Luke 12, 12. It's easy to remember. Luke 12, 12. Uh, Jesus says it this way. Talking to the disciples yet again, he says in verse 11, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before the rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to, offend, to defend yourself or what to say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. There's another description of the inside of the Holy Spirit and us as saints really leaning into the prophetic. Leaning into the prophetic, not just to give a, a futuristic viewpoint, but a insightful viewpoint right now. So those two dovetail together. God will give you foresight for the future, but he'll also give you insight for right now in how to, how to operate in the moment. And often what that does, in even in a business setting, sorry to make this so practical, but it's, it's so potent and powerful, is that God will illuminate something now to show you how to navigate forward. He, he, will, show, he will reveal a setting right now that, that will actually give you the, the insight to what's going on in a conversation, in somebody's heart, in, in their meaning, well-meaning or ill-meaning, to actually know how to have the foresight to walk forward. Very practical. But we often want the Holy or the prophetic just to be in the, in the fortune telling. Yeah, talk about that. Well, I mean, it's, it's like that, it's that prophetic uh, utterance or that word. Do you, think, do you think people like it in that space because then it removes themselves from functioning in that space? Ab oh, absolutely. I think we all want those words because... If it talks about the future, it puts no onus on what I have to do today. You know, the, the, it's, it's the same as uh, we want 
you know, uh, over the years, you have people that, that talk about, ah, oh, you know, we're just, gonna, we're just going out to find some deep teaching. Generally, deep teaching means I don't want to understand what I heard. So I don't have to do it. So I don't have to do what I heard. See, this is the beautiful thing about this gift of um, the prophetic. Because Paul talks about the gift of the prophetic. And he talks about tongues. And he talks about if you're going to have any of the gifts, tongues and the prophetic are the ones that you want to have. Um, and, and I think that he did that because he wanted to build the church, right? Those are the two gifts that were, were going to build the church. Um, but it takes it out of the, you know, the office of the prophet zone and the office of the preacher zone and it puts it into the laity zone. Like Absolutely. It, it puts it in the community. Like we get to, you know, function in the prophetic together as a community because it had a, has this building component to it. Right. And I like that because the motivation of the prophetic or to even have the prophetic gift isn't so that I can be seen as this like super amazing, powerful, supernatural prophet, you know. To have the prophetic gift is actually, to use it correctly, is to build the body of Christ. And so to desire that gift, because he talks about desiring the gift, to desire that gift is to desire to build the body of believers. And so that's why we're talking about bringing into this practical space today because we're just tired of seeing only a few people operate in the prophetic when it should be the body, the community operating in the prophetic as we build up each other. It's not this super spiritual gift that only some of us can have. There's the office of the prophet, but that's different like you mentioned. And then there's this prophetic insight, foresight for our daily lives. Right. And, and I like that too for our marriages, yes. right? You know, because you talked about businesses. Uh -huh. But let me talk about marriages for a second because like you have to get prophetic in your marriage, right? You have to have foresight for your marriage. I, I remember in the early years of our married life, um, we decided we were going to get a vision for the next 10 years of our married life. We're going to be 20 years married in February. And... <laughs> Let me tell you, once you get a vision for your marriage, that is a game changer. Yep. And then yep. we just began to get prophetic with each other and call stuff out in each other because any old person can just call things as they are. Exactly. You know, anyone can be like, you're stupid, you're an idiot, you're this, you're that. Like, okay. And I know some of you are like, but that's how you talk when you're not in church, you know, or in, in the car on the way out here, you know. But... <laughs> but anyone can call things as they are. We can call that to our children. We can call that to our situation, our circumstance. Yeah. But it takes a godly person to get prophetic, not prophesy, but prophesy, create, create, de like determine what that outcome is gonna look like. So we just started to prophesy over each other. And you know, you begin to behave like that. When you begin to put confidence in me, you know what, you are so confident. You're, you I'm are like, such yeah, a great cook. I am Yeah. You to, I, I mean, you need am. to. <laughs> you know what, I made spaghetti every night of the week for like the first couple of years. You but can then, do better. Then, yeah. You can do so much better. I, the I believe. I did. I YouTubed how to cook. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, I was like, you, couples are so busy like picking out each other's faults. I love your shape. You yes, have, you said. You're 20, 26 abs, babe, there. 
I don't see it. <laughs> but I believe They're coming. it. They're coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people so, like, couples so busy, like, picking out faults. I wish you'd change that. Just speak it into existence. Amen. You know, I think we do need to unpack the, what is the, the distinction around the office of the prophet, though. I think that's important because what, yeah. what, what the apostle Paul does is he, he makes sure that he identifies in, in 1 Corinthians 12, not everybody operates in every office, right? In fact, let's go to Scripture just so we can make sure we're preaching the truth. Uh, 1 Corinthians, let's go there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, right, right towards the end, he, he, he says this in verse 29. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? And do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So, so, so what Paul is identifying there is that we, we all don't operate in all those specific offices as a specific calling ministry per se. However, he kind of then contradicts himself because in chapter 14, verse 5, he said, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. So which is it, Paul? We all don't or we all should? And what he's saying is he's delineating the difference between someone who... Who, who operates in the office, that specific prophetic mantle ministry, and the fact that we should all operate in the prophetic. Meaning that there is, while you might not have the office, say, healing, doesn't mean you can't pray for healing because the same Holy Spirit who heals resides in your life. And upon your faith, often healing will take place. And so, and so just because I may not have that specific prophetic calling doesn't mean I can't operate in the gifting or operate literally in the prophetic power of the Holy Spirit. And so this, this distinction becomes really important because we often disqualify ourselves because maybe I'm not in that specific ministry mantle. But that does not negate the fact that you have life and death in the tongue. That you begin to, to frame your world or your spouse's world or your business with prophetic power. In fact, the primary use of, of speaking is not communication, it's creation. We see this in the, at the beginning. We see this at the beginning of time that the first spoken word was to create. The world was spoken into existence. And, and, and as a result, we also have that mantle. There is life and death in the tongue that you can actually begin to speak and create, bind and loose. You can curse, bless, that this, this all is all a function of the believer, that you actually get, begin to speak life and existence around your world, over your kids. But ultimately, all the time, we're actually speaking cursing. You'll never get a job. You'll never have a spouse. You're speaking this to ourselves. We're going to arrest our tongue and knowing that there is prophetic power in what we speak and what we say. So, so prophecy isn't just prediction. Prophecy is creation. It's declaration that I'm actually creating the world that I'll walk in. We often just leave prophecy in the prediction. I think it's, I think it's in that, that, that I'm going to start to declare and speak some things into existence. We're even talking about with, with, we see it with God in creation. And then he, he gave that same ability to Adam. And he said, Adam, go and name every living creature. Right. So he, he spoke literally a, a, it, was, it, was a, it was an identity. Mm -hmm. 
it wasn't just a category. It wasn't just like, hey, man, there's so many of these animals we made. We got out of hand. Like, let's just go and categorize them. No, 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 no. He was like, he literally was putting identity into it. And that's what we do as parents when we name our kids. We're actually putting identity in. It's not just a, so we know which kid to call to do the dishes. It's, it's, it's framing their future. It's, it's, and that's what happens when, and I, I, you know, people name their kids all weird kinds of things. And, and it's always awkward, right? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. They text you the name of the kid and the weight and the size, and you're like, how do you say that? <laughs> but the best thing to ask when, when you're weirded out by, you know, a parent's naming of a kid, ask them what it means, because parents love to tell you what the kid's name means, because it's got meaning. It doesn't mean that's what they are now, but they're hoping that that's what they become. Loved by the Lord or, or you know, pleasing to... Whatever the, the name means, it's got, it's got prophetic power to it. And, and so that's what we need to understand when we're actually... When we're praying. Yeah. We need to understand that we have the power to create and build our worlds. But, but maybe you could speak about that even in, the, um, in our role as we build the church. Because yeah. it's not just the pastor's job to build the church. It's not just Pastor Luca Michelle's job to build Palo Alto campus. It's our job as the body of believers to build each other. So I find that sometimes even in like our spheres of leading a team and those dynamics, sometimes we can get frustrated with people, right? And we can get frustrated with the way things are and we can forget our prophetic ability to be able to call us into a new season or encourage people into a new season. And I just think that this prophetic gift is something that needs to kind of re-emerge in the people, on the lips of the people en masse in the church. Yes. It's good. Yes. No, and I think that that's where it... it okay, so, so going back to those old prophetic words that you catalogued, the prophetic word is not meant to sideline you. It's meant to get you into the mission. Mm-hmm. It's useful in the mission and the mandate for your life. I want to show you a bit of Scripture. Go, go with me to Acts. Acts chapter 13, Okay. Now, in Acts chapter 13, there's a really cool story. I want to read this to you. And uh, you probably didn't even know this was in the Bible. All right, You probably didn't even know this story is in the Bible. But it's Acts chapter 13. Uh, let me read from verse 1. Bear with me. It says, Among the prophets and the teachers of the church in Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaean, the child companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Now one day as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and they sent them on their way. This is good context. Verse 4, so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit And they went down to the seaport of Seleucia and sailed from the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. And the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? 
Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind, and you will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began, to, he began groping around and begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. Verse 12, when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, and he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. So this is a really cool example of that practical insight of the Holy Spirit, that right in the midst of a situation, you got the Apostle Paul trying to do the work that Jesus had sent him to, but realizing this ain't going to work for this governor, this influencer to receive because there's something blocking. There's something blocking. And, and what's powerful about the prophetic is not just having a great foretelling or, or, or foresight, but the insight in the moment to know that if I don't deal with this, nothing I say is gonna, gonna get through, right? Like, like you're talking into a circumstance and a situation and unless you deal with the blockage, I could have all the powerful, potent words to say, but, but I got to deal with what's in front of me. And the Holy Spirit is trying to help you, but, but you're so busy trying to hear a prophetic word for the future, but you're missing the prophetic word for right now. And so much of the prophetic is less about the future and more about the present. Maybe, maybe the prophetic is what God wants to do in you. Deal with you. See, see the Holy Spirit... See, we often put the, the prophetic in, in the realm of what I speak, but we miss what the Holy Spirit speaks. See, the Holy Spirit's constantly prophesying to us, revealing the insights of heaven in, in our life and through us. And that's where I feel like we've got to get to. That's the practical component, is as, as the church actually leaning into the insight of the Holy Spirit in the everyday. Uh, and, and I love insight. Insight is such a gift. I, f I find the insight sort of kind of layers into that same category or similar category and complements discernment, the gift of discernment, because it's about the application of, because what you identified in that man is that he saw something was going to be a blockage to the word that was going to come yeah. forth. So he adjusted the blockage, removed the blockage so the word could be heard. And I think that there's something to that in, if maybe you could speak to, is there a difference between insight and discernment? Or do you think that they kind of complement each other in our ability to bring the prophetic, you know, in our everyday? I think insight, I think discernment is a really good word to describe insight. I love even from that passage that it says uh, that, he was, he was, in, he, uh, when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer for he was astonished at the teaching. Not at the, not at the powerful, not at the fact that he got blind, the power. Right. He was astonished at the teaching. So the teaching of the word of God is powerful, but what often blocks people is something demonic that, that the, and we're always looking for the powerful display that's going to cause people to believe Maybe the powerful display just removes the blockage so they can hear the powerful teaching and the good news of Jesus Christ, the actual message that is astonishing all on its own. And so I think discernment uh, is, is a really good way to discern what's blocking this. Uh, I wanted to ask you because, you know, we're talking about the application of um, insight, foresight, using the prophetic. And I know when I first started out 
you know, kind of when you when you get a new gift and you're not sure how to unpack it and how to use it, but you're so excited that there's this gift that you have. And I see so many people who start to kind of use this gift of the prophetic in the church and test it out on each other. And um, it's always interesting to me because I've been on the other end of a thus saith the Lord God Almighty, Hello. you know. Thus um, saith the Lord, don't wear snakeskin pants to church. <laughs> And, and, you know, sometimes you're on the receiving end of a prophetic word that's actually not a prophetic word. It's actually somebody else's word. It's Trying what to correct stored you. stored up on the inside yes. of them to just, like, tell you in that moment under the guise of God said. Yeah, don't do that. Um, and so I'm just wondering how do we, you know, apply, practically apply the prophetic without using it in a selfishly motivated way Okay, because you do have to be self-aware. If you're going to use the gift of the prophetic, it's to build. It's not to break. Yeah. It's to, yeah. you know, it's not about me. It's about yeah. the other person. So how do we do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like, you know, because we're so, we, uh, when I say we, I think us as the, the saints, we've become so easy, easily, uh, well, I guess we're, we're not afraid to throw out God said. Like we'll just whip out God said and we'll use the name of God to back what we want to give it some emphasis so it can't be disputed, right? Yeah. I think it's in the modern setting of church where we, we don't like authority and so we don't want to submit. We want to be able to just tell leadership what we feel so then it leads leadership helpless to actually argue against God. Um, well, if God said, I can't argue it. And, and the truth is it's not often that God said um, especially when, when I want to put it, I want to put it like I think we need a healthier fear of the Lord to reserve what God said until God really said. Because the more often that you just say God said to back up your own point, you actually don't know what God said and what you said, and the lines will always be blurred. But if you reserve what God said for when God really said, and most of the time God doesn't say what you want Him to say. Can I just say that, by the way? God doesn't always say. In other words, we want God to tell us what to do. We, this is how we pray. We pray We pray in such a way as like, God, please tell me what to do in this situation. Should I marry this person? Or should I take this job? God, give me a sign. Give me a fleece. Give me four red lights if it's a no. Like, like God, and we start getting superstitious with God, you know. And because we're praying wrong. God won't tell you what to do. That's not how God works. Because God tells you who you are. That's how God works. God, <laughs> the front row believes that the back row are like, hey, 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 hold up, pastor. You're telling me God won't. No, God's not going to tell you what to do. You're not a robot. You're, you've got free will. Yes. What he wants to do is put confidence in you about who he's called you to be. Remind you that you are mighty, that you're a conqueror, that you're an overcomer, that you've got this, that I believe in you. And as a result of you knowing who you are, then you'll make some steps and align with His will because you'll walk out His way. And the way that God works will actually reveal the will of God all along. And when you actually know who you are because God keeps reminding you of your identity, then you'll actually start making some choices that line up with His heart. And, and at the end of the day, God ain't even worried about you making the wrong choice. You're worried. You're worried. God ain't worried. 
He can work everything together for His good according to His purpose. He's got a way of rerouting and working things. God's big. He ain't stressed. He ain't, he ain't like worried about you marrying the wrong person. He even makes so much of your mistakes. God's good like that. And He's like, oh, look, watch what I can do with this. I can make something beautiful from something broken. That is the nature of God. And so, and so when we throw out God said, we're actually in dangerous territory because then we start, telling, we start correcting people in the name of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, you know, do this. And then it's like, wow, that puts so much weight behind something that was vengeful in your heart. And no wonder people get hurt by God or the church. You don't even need to make stuff up. Just use Scripture. You don't even need to get a word from God. He's already spoke it. You're like, to get prophetic, you need to hear from God. No, no, just read from God. Because His Word's already in here. And you can echo His, His already written Word, the, the Logos, and, and make it rhema. You get to speak it, make it audible. That's powerful. That is powerful. But, but still, for <laughs> some of us, that's challenging. You know, because it's like, oh, okay, so I can echo if I, I'm not going to maybe necessarily echo the new, the Old Testament doom and gloom stuff, but I might right. echo, maybe I'll echo Jesus, okay? So I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, and I'm going to prophesy. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Thus saith the Lord. Yeah, don't, don't prophesy that. Context is, is, is absolutely key. So, okay, yeah. When, don't just read every verse and take it out of context and make it a prophetic word. Well, it's in the Bible. Okay, no, true, good point. You, you, you want to you give things in context. That passage particularly is Jesus talking about adultery. He's talking about if your eye or your hand cause you to sin, it's better to cut that off than your whole life perish, right? So... Modern application is if, if the internet is causing you to stumble, just cut off your internet. There's better to not have internet than to lose your soul. Practical from Jesus, okay? So, so that's, that's pretty straightforward. But, but instead of actually trying to find all the hateful stuff, you got to understand first, as a new covenant believer, the prophetic, another way we could actually uh, use the word prophetic is promise, Okay. So Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the promises or the prophetic words in Scripture. He fulfilled it. And so everything was a promise of what He would be, and He fulfilled that. That was uh, Old Covenant. New Covenant is he's, since He's fulfilled all of the promises, we now don't have to wait for them to happen. They've already happened, so we walk in them. So now we can simply apply the promises into our life. So you the best thing to do is find all the promises. I got a cheat sheet in my Bible. I, I just wrote them in the back. That's why they give you blank pages at the back. So you can write the promises and just whip them out like real quick. You know, just get them and, and, and just when you need to give a word, you got a word. <laughs> you, got a, you got a word. Romans 8.37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. That prophetic word is going to bless somebody straight up. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. That's a good one. That's a good one for anybody who's wondering if they're strong or good looking or good enough or can't do this. Be like, girl, you are God's masterpiece. It says it right here. That is a word from the Lord. 
This is good stuff. 2 Timothy 1.7, this is current. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of love, power and a sound mind. These are good prophetic words that you get to apply because they're promises, meaning they aren't potential. These are already done. So your job in the prophetic is to be the, uh, the sovereign reminder of what God has already spoken and remind people that they are redeemed, that the grace of God is still good in their life and all these promises will come to pass. Will come to pass. Get a whole list of them. Get a long list of prophetic words and just 52 of them. And every week, just prophesy over somebody from the Word of God. Right, right when people want to get gossipy, you get prophetic y. Yes. <laughs> just get, yes. that's not even a word, but just because people love to gossip. They love that kind of conversation in the church. Oh, have you heard about this thing? You've heard about that person? Blah, blah, blah. They got elevated. Uh, you don't even know what's going on in their life. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you just be the agent of peace and actually start, start to, 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 to speak about the peace of the Lord that surpasses all understanding. Like, like just, just start, start enhancing the body. This is what the body is. It's a bunch of broken pieces pulled together to make a, a beautiful body that the world can't understand. How, how does God use such broken people to do such a glorious work? Well, this is how, because we build each other up. The, the, the pro-level prophecy is really practical. Pro-level prophecy is really practical. It's, it's, it's there to edify the body, to build up the body, to, to speak life, to take the promises of God's Word. So, so you don't need to have that special prophet ability. They're fantastic. I've seen that function. And I want to see more of that happen in the church. But at the same time, I want to echo Paul that I wish you would all prophesy. I wish you would all take the mantle of building up fellow believers, bringing the promises of God's Word and building that into each other's life. Instead of competing with each other, compliment each other. Continue to compliment the, the work that you see God doing in and through their life. You don't need to correct everybody. That's not your holy order. That's not your mandate from heaven is to be the correction queen. You don't need to do that. You, you, you just, you need to be the, the builder of the body. Prophesy the Word of God in their life. That's beautiful because I find that the, the way that, if, if I were to say the way that we would like to do it in this house, because you're in a, in a house, with a culture, with um, new house rules. If you've been in other houses, they've done it differently. Uh, we People tell us all the time, well, this is the way the prophetic was done here. And this is the way we've experienced the prophetic. And I would just like to say, this is how we do it here, is that we do it supernaturally natural. That you, that, that it is so natural, it's in our makeup. It's, we are supernatural beings. We move as a supernatural body of believers together and we naturally connect on that level. It is natural to us. And so there you go, it just flows. It's an overflow of love for one another. It's, it's, a, it's the, 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 the consciousness of the fact that I am building you in love. I am building up this house. That's got to be something, a statement for our world because the world knows nothing of this. 
The world knows only how to say how it is, but we are prophesying. We are building people up. We are calling people into their destinies. We are putting their lives back together. We are restoring marriages. We are setting young people into their destiny, into their purpose. If you're a parent, look your child in the eyes and tell them who they are. Remind them whose they are. You have to do that all the time because the enemy gets in there and he tries to lie and you know build this framework within their mind. But that's why the body of believers is so powerful. As we get into this context, the gathering, we begin to prophesy again and remind each other whose we are and who we are. It's such a powerful gift for the house for today. Amen. It's it's. It's so true, and I would also say you don't need to qualify uh, your your word with "this is a prophecy." You just, 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 just say it. <laughs> just encourage. You know, don't need to make it more than what it is. The word of God is potent all on its own. Amen. I feel like the the very the most important function that we can get from the prophetic as we close out this series, the temple, you being the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and the way the, that God wants to work His Spirit through you is in the, not just even using you to, to give a word, but being able to receive a word from the Holy Spirit. That reminder of who God is and who He's called you to be should be a daily, daily dialogue. And, and do not, think that that's any less prophetic than a really detailed description of what you did last summer and what you're doing next summer. You want it to be exactly, uh, you want to have an open heart so that Holy Spirit can speak exactly what He needs to in your life. In fact, let's do this. Close our Bibles for a moment. Let's close our Bibles. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. There's a better posture. Change it up. I don't want you to fall asleep. And I want you to close your eyes as you stand and maybe open your hands so that we can create a space for the Holy Spirit to remind us of some things that maybe we've forgotten. I don't know what's permeating your world, what's in the atmosphere of your life. I don't know if you've been wrestling with anxiety, self-doubt, maybe pity. Maybe you've just come through a a holiday season again and you're feeling pity for yourself, that self-pity. And that will get you stuck like, like mud, unable to move forward. But the Holy Spirit wants to prophesy and remind you that you are more than an overcomer, that you are victorious in Christ Jesus. This is so practical. And if it's so practical, it's disappointing, I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit first wants to prophesy into your world remind you that you are valuable. Speaking to anybody who is single here, that you have got value, that you have got some great things to offer, that God is not done, He's just beginning. I've got to remind some people, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you that you have been graced, that you are highly favoured, that you are mighty, that you are not weak. God has already taken those weak things and He's working them for His glory. And He's doing something great through them. And the very things that you determine weak, God's going to turn into strengths. 
See, this is the prophetic power of the Holy Spirit to remind you like an echo chamber in your mind that He is working. He is working in you and He is working on you. That He is working in a way that you might not even recognise, but He is making a way. And He is He has got some foresight for you. But first, would you receive insight from the Holy Spirit to know who you are, to know what He's called you to be? In fact, why don't you invite that question right now? Just invite the Holy Spirit to reveal who you are. Come on, say, speak to me, Holy Spirit. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Reveal who You've called me to be. I, I wanna know Your will. I wanna know Your ways. I wanna know who it is that You've called me to be. And upon that identity, upon that rock, upon that confirmation, then you can begin to walk out the way that He's working in you and who He's called you to be. So God, I pray that You would empower Your church right now with the special ability that the Holy Spirit gives, with the prophetic insight from You, Holy Spirit, that we would be equipped to hear and to speak, to hear the prophetic Word and to speak the prophetic Word. God, we empower Your church. God, we empower Your people, Lord, to be New Day prophets, to speak Old Day prophecies, ancient prophecies into a New Day world. God, I pray that we would walk with boldness. God, that we would walk with confidence. God, would we would walk with energy and a gusto, knowing that, God, You are moving through us, Lord, to speak Your strategic Word in the specific season. So God, I pray that You would equip Your people right now. Illuminate Your purpose. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.